I'm Tracy Sable. Tonight on EWTN News Nightly, history on the Hill. For the first time in nearly 150 years, a cabinet secretary has been impeached. What's next for Alejandra Mayorkas? Demanding answers. Pro-life lawmakers want more information about a series of abortions in the nation's capital. A standing invitation. Pope Francis warns against the dangers of being lazy. We'll explain. And leaving a mark. A look at Ash Wednesday celebrations around the world, plus advice on how to get the most out of Lent from EWTN's Father John Paul. These stories and more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us on Ash Wednesday. We start with some breaking news out of Kansas City, where celebration quickly turned to panic as multiple shots were fired near the parade route of the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Officials say so far one person is dead and around 15 injured. The shots were fired minutes after team members vowed to go for a third straight Super Bowl title next year. Fans were urged to leave the area as quickly as possible. Two people have been detained in connection with the shootings. Officials say more information will be released soon. And on Capitol Hill, a House Republican is warning about a, quote, serious national security threat. Ohio Congressman Mike Turner released a statement asking the White House to release all information about the threat. The Speaker of the House also weighed in. I saw Chairman Turner's statement on the issue, and I, I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. We are going to work together to address this matter, as we do all sensitive matters that are classified. And beyond that, uh, I'm not at liberty to disclose classified information and really can't say much more. In the meantime, President Joe Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, addresses the wars in Israel and Ukraine. He appeared in the White House press briefing room today telling reporters, quote, our adversaries are watching us closely and we know from history that when we don't stand up to dictators, they keep going. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Owen. Tracy, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan also told reporters today in the briefing room that Ukraine is fighting for its life and needs the support of the United States to defend its freedom. And he said Israel needs U.S. help so it can defend itself against Hamas terrorists and other terror threats. As Israel defense forces continue going after Hamas in Gaza, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, seen here meeting with special forces earlier this week, says Hamas has not offered any new proposal during talks in Cairo meant to free Israeli hostages and bring about a ceasefire. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan discussed the situation. You have multiple phases as part of the hostage deal, and you try to move from one phase to the next so that an initial period of pause can be extended as uh, more hostages come out, more commitments are made, and so forth. Where that goes exactly, I can't predict today. And now, all eyes on Rafah. After the Israeli army announced the upcoming launch of a military operation in the area, displaced Palestinians started fleeing to central Gaza. Hamas is hiding among civilians, embedding itself among civilians uh, in ways that also put those civilians at risk. Meanwhile, Ukraine, ship sunk. Ukraine's military says it destroyed a Russian landing ship in the Black Sea using naval drones. The attack coming 10 days before the second anniversary of Russia's full-scale invasion. 
But for now, the $95 billion foreign aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and other allies stalled. Just yesterday, President Joe Biden warned, If we don't stop Putin's appetite for power and control in Ukraine, he won't limit himself just to Ukraine. And the cost for America and our allies and partners is going to rise. Separately, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin made his own push for Ukraine aid in a virtual session with the Ukraine Defense Contact Group. This contact group remains resolute, undaunted, and firm. And make no mistake, United States, United States continues to stand four square with Ukraine. And America will continue to support Ukraine's principal fight against Putin's imperial aggression. Now, Secretary Austin conducted that online meeting from his home where he is tonight recuperating from complications following prostate cancer surgery. And the Pentagon has argued that Ukraine and Israel funding is also good for the U.S. economy in that companies produce more weapons and ammunition to replenish American stockpiles. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. All right, thank you, Owen. And turning back to the situation in Gaza, we're joined now by Tal Heinrich, spokesperson for the Israeli government. Tal, good to see you again. Uh, a lot to discuss, but first, I want to focus on Rafa and the ground offensive there. What can you tell us? My pleasure to be joining you, Tracy, and I'm sending my prayers to the people in Kansas City impacted by this uh, terrible, terrible uh, shooting. Um, now, regarding uh, what's happening in, in Rafah on the ground, my prime minister has ordered the uh, military to prepare a strategic plan, an operational plan, uh, that will achieve two things in, in this southern city, um, city of, of terror, we should say. Um, one is to eliminate the Hamas uh, strongholds that we have there and dismantle the terror infrastructure um, that is uh, uh, all across the city, and also to make sure that we protect the civilians and ease the civilian suffering um, in that city, um, and, and, and that this plan will achieve these two things. Uh, we believe that it can be done because we've done this before, just like when we called on the residents of the northern parts of the Gaza Strip to evacuate, and then we uh, progressed uh, uh, to operate more in the central parts of the Gaza Strip. Now, you have to understand that in Rafah, uh, Hamas has four operational battalions. We're not going to leave these uh, battalions untouched. Um, we are seeking a total victory over this terrorist organization that invaded our uh, country on October 7th, butchered, raped, uh, mutilated, and stole our people. Tal, tell us a little bit more, if you can at all, how you're helping those civilians in Rafah. So uh, the plan is still being drawn up at this very moment. We we haven't yet um, publicly announced what we're going to do. Once we have something to share, we will share, um, but, but make sure that we will have a plan for that because this is exactly what the prime minister had asked for. But uh, regarding the unprecedented efforts that the IDF has taken so far in this war that we didn't start and we didn't want, um, we have plenty of them. Uh, we have secured humanitarian corridors for evacuation of the civilians from the different parts of the Gaza Strip. We dropped millions of leaflets. We've made thousands, tens of thousands of phone calls, text messages, and we were uh, telling the civilians exactly where 
and when to evacuate, which is something that no other uh, military has done in, in modern urban warfare, because, you know, we're telling exactly where troops are going to operate. Um, that surely takes out the element of surprise uh, when you think of it on our end. But we want uh, to make sure that civilians are not getting caught in the crossfire, which is exactly the opposite of what Hamas is trying to do. Uh, they wish to sacrifice the civilians uh, of Gaza. They openly say it also in interview um, for the greater goal of obliterating the Jewish state. We will not let them achieve neither of these things. Tal, I, I want to quickly talk about the hostages that were recently rescued. Um, any details that you can share with us about that operation? How are they doing? And what about the talks in Cairo? What happens next? So uh, Fernando and Luis uh, were rescued in a very successful uh, military operation in Rafah that we just talked about. That is, uh, you know, one more, two more, rather, uh, good reasons as of why we must operate in, in the city to eliminate Hamas and bring our stolen people back home. Um, they are in a somewhat stable condition, we can say. The, the, these were very heartwarming images to see them reuniting with their families after more than four months in captivity. They uh, did not see any sunlight. They, they lived off one, one piece of bread, a pita per day. So obviously they suffered malnutrition and they have a long way ahead of them in terms of, uh, you know, the, the mental and the physical uh, uh, process that they have to uh, undergo now. Um, we will not leave the other hostages behind. We're talking about 134 hostages, uh, of which we believe uh, around 100 are still alive. Um, we know that the only thing that works against Hamas is heavy military pressure. This and the combination of the diplomatic avenue that you just mentioned, like the talks, for example, in Cairo, um, that will that would give us the you know the that might yield uh, another framework which will see the release of, of more hostages. Uh, but it's only due to this combination. Now, so far, Hamas has presented delusional demands, uh, as my prime minister called them. Uh, Secretary Blinken referred to their demands as non-starters. And, and we certainly hope that this will change and will continue to hit them very hard on the ground uh, for, for uh, the time being. Well, Tal, thank you so much. So much more we can talk about, but we're out of time. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Well, for the first time in nearly 150 years, a U.S. cabinet member faces an impeachment trial. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is now poised to face charges in the Senate following last night's impeachment vote in the House. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. The resolution is adopted. The House passed it by one vote after three Republicans sided with Democrats. House Republicans say Mayorkas has committed high crimes and misdemeanors for his handling of the southern border. The Senate really ought to take seriously the message that was sent is that we're serious about securing the border and the secretary's failed to do his job. And the American people are disgusted by it. Well, the impeachment vote follows a similar one failed, that failed last week. Congressman Steve Scalise returned from medical leave to get a passed. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is signaling the impeachment trial will be brief and Mayorkas will likely be acquitted. The Republican majority in the House is shrinking after Democrat Tom Suozzi won a special election last night in New York. He says that he will go to Washington ready to reach across the aisle. Beyond the petty partisan bickering and the finger pointing. It's time to focus on how to solve the problems. It's time to get to work on immigration, on Israel. 
Swazi will now take the seat vacated by George Santos following his December ouster from Congress. Swazi had previously represented his district in Congress for three terms. Republicans will now hold a razor-thin six-seat majority in the House. Pro-life lawmakers are demanding answers from the Justice Department over the fate of five unborn babies apparently killed in an abortion. Known as the DC-5, they were discovered several years ago in a clinic's medical waste bin. Lawmakers now want congressional investigations and autopsies done to determine if they were killed in violation of the Partial Birth Abortion Act. Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales has the latest. Good evening. Lawmakers say what happened to these babies was barbaric and lawful and should not go unpunished. Right now, the five unborn babies' remains are with the D.C. Medical Examiner's Office after lawmakers wrote the office saying that the babies' remains should be preserved until an autopsy can be performed. These are murders. This really honestly doesn't have anything to do with abortion. This is about murders. And yet, nothing's been done. So the big question is, why has Biden's DOJ refused to investigate? What are they hiding and who are they protecting? When we consider that anyone would use the barbaric practice of partial birth abortion, we must discover what happened and hold those individuals accountable. Pro-life lawmakers and advocates say right now they are struggling to find a doctor to perform an autopsy on the unborn babies to determine their cause of death. Some doctors have expressed fear they could lose their licenses. The D.C. medical examiner has no plans to autopsy the unborn babies after it determined that federal law was followed. I asked Congressman Chip Roy, could Congress step in and protect a doctor? Getting a law passed out of the House over to the Senate and signed by the president to accomplish any objective like you just outlined seems pretty scant in terms of our likelihood of success. We've got to continue to push under our current laws to force and expose this. In 2022, pro-life atheist Teresa Bakovinak found the unborn babies in a D.C. medical clinic's waste bin, headed to an incinerator to provide electricity to Baltimore. This is a seminal moment for the pro-life movement, a moment with that is so palpable and with so much power that it can change the course of history forever. Pro-Life Caucus co-chair Congressman Chris Smith says congressional hearings are a must. When they were alive, these babies deserve to be treated with respect and compassion. Now after their violent slaughter, justice must be tenaciously pursued with a thorough investigation into the details surrounding their brutal deaths. It's important to note that EWTN did reach out to the D.C. chief medical examiner, the D.C. Metro Police, and the mayor's office. However, our emails and phone calls were never returned. Lawmakers say that they will continue to fight to determine if these babies were actually murdered by partial birth abortions. At the Capitol, Eric Rosales, EWTN News Nightly. And we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including declaring victory. There is an apparent winner in the presidential election in Indonesia. And take a look at this Ash Wednesday mass at the Vatican. A pro-democracy advocate in Hong Kong is sounding the alarm over a proposed new law 
that could target Catholics in question is a measure called Article 23. It would expand the 2020 national security law backed by China. If enacted, the plan would bolster the government's crackdown on political dissidents, prompting fears among religious freedom advocates. Well, and in Turkey, the government has announced plans to turn another church into a mosque. A report from the Pontifical Mission Society says the 79-year-old Church of the Holy Savior in Istanbul will be converted this year. In 2020, the government converted ancient Hagia Sophia Cathedral into a mosque. Well, the new government in Poland recently hosted a conference on an initiative aimed at same-sex attracted students in schools. <laughs> The new minister of equality says LGBTQ students need care because they tend to face discrimination. Poland's left-wing coalition government took over late last year. It is already pushing two bills to loosen abortion laws in the majority Catholic country. Well, a defense minister who is a former general appears to be the winner of the presidential election in Indonesia. Seventy-two-year-old Prawaboa Sabianto has presented himself as an heir to the popular sitting president. He even chose the president's son as a running mate. Sabianto will inherit a growing economy and ambitious infrastructure projects. He spent nearly three decades in the military. Human rights groups claim that he committed numerous violations in the 1980s and 1990s. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, a moving message. Pope Francis has a warning and a remedy for the times when we feel lazy. Plus, advice from EWTN's Father John Paul on how to get the most out of Lent. Pope Francis reminds the faithful of the dangers of being lazy. La fede, tormentata dalla prova dell'acidia, non perde di valore. As weekly talk to pilgrims at the Vatican, the Holy Father says the root of laziness is a lack of care, and those who are idle or apathetic are experiencing a form of depression, and they can feel like they are dying in advance. To combat this, we can set goals that are within reach and also persevere by leaning on Christ, who never abandons us to temptation. Pope Francis says that Lent offers us the opportunity to go back to our authentic selves, removing all the masks and illusions that we too often wear. During Ash Wednesday Mass, the Holy Father said prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are not just external practices. They are also paths that lead to the heart, to the core of Christian life. Pope Francis also encouraged everyone to make more space for prayer and silence during Lent. Overall, he says these 40 days are a time to return to God with all of our heart. And Catholics in the Philippines also received ashes today. The rector of the National Shrine of Our Mother of Perpetual Help said it was a happy coincidence that Ash Wednesday falls on Valentine's Day this year. He added that the sacrifice of Jesus that we remember during Lent is actually the greatest expression of love. And finally tonight, Ash Wednesday is one of the busiest days for Mass of the entire year. And even though it is not a holy day of obligation, the faithful flock to churches like the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception right here in Washington, D.C. But what is the history of Ash Wednesday? And 
is there a biblical significance for Lent? For more on Ash Wednesday, we turn now to Father John Paul Mary Zeller from the Franciscan Missionaries of the Eternal World. He is also the chaplain for EWTN employees, and we are so blessed to have him. Father John Paul, thank you for being with us today. It's good to be here, Tracy. So tell us about the history of Ash Wednesday, and what does it say to you that so many people attend Mass today, even though it isn't a Holy Day of Obligation? Uh, isn't it amazing? It always amazes me that uh, so many people want to go to uh, Ash Wednesday masses and services. And I just think that points to something deep within the human heart that we all recognize that we are not right with God and with one another. There's something in us that we recognize that something needs to change. I think all throughout salvation history, if you look at the number 40, 40 has a significance all throughout salvation history. 40 days of flood, 40 days and 40 nights of rain, and Moses 40 years before he went into the desert, before God called him to meet him in the burning bush. And the Israelites um, in the wilderness 40 years as well. And more specifically, that Jesus went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and fasted on nothing. He didn't have anything for 40 days and 40 nights. That's very significant. It definitely is. Um, Do you have any advice, Father, you know, to get the most out of Lent this year? I think we should always approach Lent as if it were our last Lent. Um, Because every single year, I think we make a whole laundry list of things that we never really accomplish. And I think that in about two or three weeks, we look at the list and we realize I'm not doing very well. And I think that we need to approach this Lent and just be realistic, be practical, and maybe pick one or two concrete things that we can do practically during Lent. Yeah, that's really good advice because that is true. A lot of people pick, you know, something really huge to give up and it it sort of is overwhelming for them. Yes, Tracy. I think also uh, to make a good confession, I think uh, it'd be a good thing to do. A lot of people wait to the end of Lent to make a confession. But I think that going to confession at the beginning of Lent and also at the end of Lent would be a good thing, a practical thing. And just ask the Holy Spirit to help you to make a good examination of conscience. The Holy Spirit is the retreat master, if you will, throughout these 40 days of Lent. Ask the Holy Spirit every day, just say, come Holy Spirit, come. Come Holy Spirit, come. And the Holy Spirit will help you to examine your conscience in those ways that you've offended God and neighbor. Another thing I want to talk about, and it's a wonderful, wonderful advice, so thank you for that, sure. um, is that, you know, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, that it's also Valentine's Day. Mm. Uh, it's sort of a happy coincidence that Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day kind of, you know, collide in its one day. Why do you think that's fitting? Well, no greater love that a man have than to lay his life down for his friends. And look at the cross. The cross is the supreme sacrifice of our Lord, giving himself completely for our salvation. And there's no greater sign. I really, I was kind of tempted, you know, uh, to put a cross, not just to put a cross on people's foreheads, but to put a heart and a cross. But obviously I couldn't do, I don't do that. That's, that's not our practice. We put a cross, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it should be looked at as the supreme sacrifice of love of God. 
the heart of God in Jesus beats for us. Yeah, I think it's just perfect. I mean, I really do. I think it's perfect to fall on this one day. Uh, Before I let you go, Father, any other advice or any other tips for us to have a a really um, fruitful Lent? Well, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer meaning uh, being the first, I think, just to spend more time in prayer uh, in this years of Eucharistic revival in the United States just to spend more time with our Eucharistic Lord. I just would recommend just spending five minutes a week. If you're not used to spending five minutes in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, it doesn't have to be exposed in a monstrance. It could be in a tabernacle just to go into the parish church and to go before our Eucharistic Lord and tell him how much you love him. Mm. That's so important. Father, thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us. God bless you and our viewers this Thank you. God bless you. And we thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night and God bless.